Right, so when I get my £12,000... Yeah. Right? I mean, that's enough to put a deposit down on a very nice house in the north. I mean, up in the north, that'll, that'll buy you a bloody mansion at that price. That's You could buy a castle, probably, I'd imagine. Right? I could probably get my own castle yeah. and call it, like, Sterling Manor, right? Yeah. Uh, I could get car. Yeah. No, I don't drive, but... You know, it's just an accessory. It's a thing you do. Like having a car is a thing. Yeah, they say that people buy them as penis extensions, like that they're if they're insecure about the size of their knob. I'm secure about how small my penis is, and I want everyone to know it. So I'm thinking of buying a truck. Oh, I see. I see. Now, see, I, I, I was gonna say that I think uh, you may not drive a car becomes necessary the longer you're in the north. The north seems like a place where. You're eventually going to have to need one. It's ironic that you might need a car because the roads haven't seen fresh tarmac since 1942. Oh, exactly. But that that doesn't change the fact that they're the only real way to get around sometimes. Yeah, well, funding in the UK stops like a couple of miles out from St Albans. Like it's (laughs) once you're out of London proper, the money dries up. Um, so yeah, but that, of course, I can spin that to my benefit when it comes to house hunting. Um, oh god, the house, looking for a place though. The fucking, we found out the examiner fucking publication told everyone that this area of Yorkshire was a nice place to live. That's why I can't find a fucking place. Everyone keeps fucking going for it. Yeah, you've, you've arrived just late enough to be like, oh no, everyone else heard about the good place, fuck. And I, uh... Found a very nice bungalow, right? And the fucking landlord, right? We were like, we'd, we'd looked at the place, got done with it, and then thought to ourselves, you know what, for a landlord, he doesn't come across like a total twat. What a mistake that was. Never assume that just because they're pleasant enough and seem like it's just like they had a house already and it's their retirement thing, that they're not a twat, right? Apparently, my employment status wasn't good enough for him. I was like, right, this is how much I fucking earn, right? Um, Okay, because I've moved country, my credit report is like non-existent in this country, but I can show you my US, I can show you my income. You can Google my net worth. (laughs) It's not accurate, but it's there. It's Googleable. I've got a guarantor. I can give you half a year's rent up front if you want, because, you know, I've been trying to save for this shit and my employment status yeah what owning my own business yeah welcome welcome to the world of trying to get landlords in the uk to recognize that self-employment exists your employment status is not what i'm looking for wait a minute right slow your roll you silly little dick right what you're looking for in a tenant is some cunt who can pay their fucking rent. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make one suggestion here, which is that maybe that's not what they meant. Maybe they googled and went, "Oh, that's a very terrifying mask made of cornflakes. Do I want that in my home?" <laughs> if you're if you're finding masks these days, you're gonna see me in a spandex bodysuit with a star on my face and think, "I want to fuck that JoJo character." Right? That's what you're thinking. Employment status. Not what I'm looking for. It doesn't matter what I do for a living, you absolute cockend. What matters is that I pay you and you keep the fuck out of my life. Jesus Christ. It was such a nice place. It reminded me of my old grandparents' place. It looked like the kind of place that was roomy enough that when it when a British summer comes along with y'alls, like a fucking aircon, I'd be all right. I just want to... I want to be... Anyway... 
My 12 grand. That's what that's what I've gathered you both here today to talk about. You say we're going to split the winnings of my lawsuit. Oh, okay. I was wondering where the 12 grand came in. Right. I'm I'm going to sue the council. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to sue the council because of what I went through. Physical, emotional damages, probably loss of earnings. I was late to a stream. That's pennies they've cost me, right? Yeah. Fucking recycling! Oh my god, this country oh, loves its I... recycling. Oh. oh, you've got to wash out your own fucking oh. milk cartons first and foremost. No, thank you. You want my milk cartons so bad, you wash them your fucking self. But no, I'm here washing the fucking milk cartons, right? I'm here tipping up the half-empty cans of Monster Energy instead of just lobbing them over a fence because I'm trying to be a responsible fucking citizen. And what happens, right? It's, oh, Steph. Um, can you run the uh, the rubbish out to the bins? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what, Phoenix? Sure. Oh, it's okay, I'll get James to do it. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay, I'll do it because I'm strong and can lift a heavy bag and I'm helpful and useful and I live for basic function because that way it improves my sense of self-worth that I've done something yeah. for other people. So I'm like, right, give me the bin bag. Here it is, full of trash. Off I wend to, out to the alleyway. Which I expect to be safe, because the last time I saw my fucking alleyway, it was safe, right? I walked to the bin, put my foot down near the bin. Oh dear, I'm registering pain. I looked down, recycling broken a fucking bottle, and they fucking left it strewn on the ground. Wow. That is to say, I have been slashed my foot is in a bad way and it was on a point of the foot that has managed to find every loose wire like like computer wire on the floor the corners of steps a, a oh. shoelace was ended up inside my foot when i put it on and everything has found the exact spot on my foot that has been deeply cut those are the worst where you get one of those unexpected cuts that's deeper than you think and it ends up being on a spot where it's just gonna cause problems the one of the worst parts is is it's not very wide it just went very deep so on the outside it doesn't look impressive unless you see how much blood came out i had 100 percent one of those the day before last time i came up to see you, you and phoenix ah. where i was washing a mug in the sink and it exploded and i've st my hands still like coming to terms with what happened and it didn't look impressive but like Oh, it was a not fun one. That's it. Like, the deep ones are nasty. Like, it's why paper cuts are so bad. They don't look bad, bad on the surface. But I got one of those, by the way, as well. Paper cut the fucking Tesco. I don't know if I've mentioned enough, right, how much pain I'm in, right? My knees aren't in the best way, right? My back's fucked. I've got to wrestle on Saturday with a foot that he's no doubt going to reopen and just fill my fucking boot, right? I've got to kick someone with that foot. I am going to sue the council for this. I've already put in out of court settlement. Give it to me. You're liable for up to 12 grand. Let's face it, I'll probably get five book tokens, but I want my tokens. I want to go to WH Smith and get a book. Five books. Don't fob me off with four. And I picked the books. You're not giving me rowling, you fucking bastards. Oh. I'm not. Oh, God. It was so deep. Like, I limped in, immediately apologising for getting blood all over Phoenix's floor. Well, of course. I was on a call when it happened, and I've never known a more relatable moment <laughs> oh, yeah, than you, you apologising. Yeah. You apologising 
for having yeah. a big cut on your foot that you needed help with. And I'm like, oh no, this is exactly what I do. I'm feeling very seen here. I'm limping and dripping everywhere. I might need medical attention. I'm sorry, I got blood on the floor. It reopened earlier in the night when I forgot about it, and then it went on the corner of a step. And then I went up to Felix again and said, it reopened, I need a plaster. I think I got all the blood off the bathroom floor, though. Um, so yeah, that... That's been that. 12 fucking grand is what I'm definitely... 12 grand or five book tokens. And if I get five of them, right? Uh, Laurie, you can have one. Conrad, you can have oh, one. Um, thank you. And then, yeah. Uh, I don't want one. Fee and the kids can have them. And any books you want. For me, it's about the moral victory. And I did get a moral victory. Before we get on to video games, which I know some listeners are into. Yeah. Um, you know the co-op where I got recognised? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's my favourite co-op. Well, sure, it's the one you got recognised in. It's the one I got recognised in. But it's also the one where my ego is... I just go there to get my ego inflated, because last night I'm in the co-op again, right? Fan's not there. That's fine. Bit annoyed. Not cinnamon. It's like when I found this pork and apple sausage roll at Costa, and it was really nice, and every time I've gone back to Costa, it's not fucking there, right? Every time I go back to co-op, the man who recognised me isn't there anymore, right? So <sighs> so my, my frail sense of self-esteem is going begging, but someone else filled the void last night, right? Ooh. Oh, yeah. We're, we're in the co-op. We get shopping energy drinks among them right and in britain you get carded for energy drinks now yeah if you, it, it's what yeah 16 i think you have to be for energy Something drinks like you that. get carded i got carded <laughs> well i got done. carded for a red bull and phoenix like looks over and, and and says like that must be something fun getting carded at 38 and then the woman was like how old <laughs> and we went 38 and she was like what the what? See, you you know what's happened. It's that fountain of youth effect. You get mm. that HRT, and you mm. you the years just start melting off. Yeah, fucking feeling it. Um, yeah, she was super apologetic, and I'm like, wait, no, this is a massive compliment. This is mega. Um, but yeah, like the sheer shock with which she registered my age. I have been mentioning my age on Twitch on my streams so much lately. Because of the surprise people. Like, oh, God, it makes me feel... It makes... It stops me from, like... It stops my brain from feeling like it's close to death. Yeah. My body, I can't do anything about. But my brain can be tricked into thinking that I'm still vibrant and I've still got it. So I love that co-op now. I mean, it sounds like a bloody good co-op. There's someone there who knows who I am, right? Which is always good. Yeah. And there's someone there who can't believe I'm 38. Who, th who must think I'm 15. I'm happy with that. As well you should be. Anyway, the point of it all is that I'm suing the council for 12 grand. Um, definitely going to get it. Definitely going to get it. Definitely going to get 12 whole grand. You know, 500 quid would be fun. Yeah. But yeah, don't leave glass in the fucking alleyway. No, that's very rude. Yeah. Don't do it. And then w when I am bleeding, don't look at me and say, well, if James had taken the bin, he'd, he'd wear shoes. Don't say that. Well, I shouldn't be having to wear shoes on the property. I trusted that alley to I've never had to. Just taking the bins out, I've never had to put shoes on for them. That sounds like blaming the victim right there, and I'm, I will not be standing for it. I've never had to put shoes on to take the bin out. Now, now I'm terrified to leave the house. Now I'm terrified to leave the house without Kevlar on. That's what's happened to me. Emotional damages. Let's have it on the record, please. <laughs> Oh. Full Kevlar, bomb disposal helmet, oven gloves. 
So welcome back, Conrad. Oh, hello, Conrad. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah. Hello. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? We just about got you in the first 15 minutes of this episode. Just about. No, no, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, good to be back. Missed you. Oh. Yeah, I missed you. Missed you so much that I want to hear all about video games that you have opinions on. Uh, okay. So... Uh, well, let's start with some we've all played. Uh, Tunic is yeah. real good. Is it? Tunic is real good with one major caveat I have. Is it? Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I'm interested to hear the counterpoint to what I'm going to say. So, here's what I'm going to say. I am enjoying everything about Tunic other than I'm having the same problem I had with Carrion, where the lack of a map is really causing me problems. I am frequently struggling to find one little location that I haven't been to progress and just getting frustratingly stuck. Mm -hmm. But in between that is it is adorable and charming and I am having a really good time with it. And then I keep wanting to put it away because I can't work out where to go. And it annoys me. I agree that the map could be better defined. I But I also think within what they're doing with this game aesthetically and on like a you know kind of a meta level kind of has to be that way unfortunately i will say the same about this as i said about carrion sure i can see on paper a totally reasonable justification narratively for not having a map i mean there there is a map i don't know how to find the map then there is a picture of a map Oh. There's actually a map. Yeah, it's it's at the very back of the instruction manual. Yeah. And then there are uh, even there are maps showing the rooms of smaller sub areas as well as you collect them. Yeah. So I didn't find that. And you know why I didn't find that? Because I didn't look that closely at the manual because I understand that the, they're doing it to... Like, I like in theory the fact that this, this game has its own fictional language that you don't understand and you have to learn stuff through context. Oh, for, forget forget the language stuff. The the manual is is clutch. Like everything about how the game is played is in the manual as you go along. I will just say my response to it was I saw the manual and went that art's nice. I'm not going to look at this too closely because it's I I can't under I'm not going to understand any words therefore I'm probably not going to glean that much from it and I didn't realize it was vital to finding things like the map, so... I think that's fair. Yeah. I keep picking up items and going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and that's it's sort of in the manual. Like, they, you have to discern something from... All right, so here's, here's how I'm coming at this, because I find this fascinating. For me, it's like the experience of getting an instruction manual for a game as a young child that can't actually read all the words in the manual. That's the comparison that I'm experiencing, which is fascinating for me as a person who, like, from early exposure to, I, like, a lot of learning to read that I did came from instruction manuals for video games, right? Yeah. And now I get to have this experience again of having an instruction manual that I can't really fully parse out and read. And so I it's I find that really integral to what this is doing. And actually I I hadn't read any product description for the game or anything prior to this and it's it even sort of outlines that you are collecting the manual and sort of indicates the importance of that in the description, but I can certainly see Looking at it as someone who is an experienced, seasoned gamer who's played a million of these fucking things and casually disregarding it. So, 
I can appreciate that as a thing now that you have presented that is how it is meant to be treated. The game itself, not looking at anything external, never gave me that impression and never clued me in. And I am used to a certain degree of a good video game teaches you its mechanics naturally as you play. And I felt that this game... So we haven't even like basically said what this is. It's a really cute top-down isometric uh, adventure game where you play as a little fox with a little melee weapon running around. It's Dark Souls Light. I've I've seen some people make that comparison and like like that comparison scaring people away. Don't let that be a difficulty comparison. No, that's the thing. When I say light, I mean light. That doesn't have the depth of the, you know, statistical nonsense. It's presented from a most, for the most part, presented from a fixed uh, camera angle. There's some dynamic camera stuff that goes on, but it's very much more straightforward than Dark Souls. The the thing I was going to say is, the reason why I've not been checking that manual is the game's been really good at showing you context clue button prompts in-game to teach you how to do things as you play. I assumed that was the intended how you learn, which is why I didn't engage with what apparently was an important mechanic. It's, yeah, and it's all, and, and it's easy to even overlook things that are in the manual. Like, a lot of people... And, and this includes me, miss the upgrade system, right? Even though it is pretty clearly there, it's on a page. And I sort of looked at it, but I didn't really look at all of the elements on the page to think, oh, I could be doing upgrading. And it works just like Dark Souls, but, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this now and realizing, yeah, there's a bunch of shit in here that probably would have made this a more enjoyable experience for me that I just completely glossed over and didn't notice because I don't think the game did a great job of pointing me at it. My assumption was that I was meant to just be going a, a, a little bit unguided and just working out was the vibe I was getting. I think the the way it tries to indicate that importance is that you keep collecting pieces of the instruction manual. And at some point, I think it hopes that you're going to actually like, why am I collecting all of this and actually look at it? And I mean, I'm still kind of early, but so far my read on that was Oh, because it's just a nice little thing as I'm going. It's just some nice art. And we play too many video games. Too many video <laughs> games have just given me pointless collectibles that are a thing to look at and completely unnecessary. Yeah. And like, it's a shame because I'm enjoying it mechanically and I probably will enjoy it more now that I've talked to you about it, but I just wasn't clicking with it. Yeah, and I'm even not that far in. I have made it through uh, what is the first of several regions, and I suspect that that's where you still are. Yes, yeah. Yeah, because there's a... You know, I can say this without spoiling too much. There's a couple of bell towers that you have to ring bells at to go through a door. Um, I've just made it through that door. And there's a whole fucking world out there still. But it's I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um I I find the puzzling it out to be enjoyable. I like the way that the game's environments are are built to maximize the effectiveness of its fixed camera to hide things. So it really compels you to check every little nook and cranny. I, yeah, I'm having a really, really good time with it. And as I say, it is a lot like Dark Souls. It's just, it's not so much stuff and it's not so bleak and it's just sort of there minimized in a way that I find enjoyable. It's not that I don't like those sorts of games. I just don't want to deal with all the bullshit. I'm glad the people who like it, like it. 
Yeah. I'd like to. Yeah. See, my frame of comparison here is Death's Door. Sure, mm. I could see why you would draw that comparison. I've been told this is Death's Door, but more. Whereas to me, it's Death's Door without the fluidity. It's Death's Door way more stodgy. I'm not liking the way dodging feels. I hate the way running feels. It's like controlling an in-game horse. I like the running, the dodging. The The problem I have is that I think it works well when you're dodging back, when you're just trying to get space, but it doesn't work well as a, I want to stay in close and dodge and go straight into an attack. It doesn't feel as smoothly connected between the two as I would like. Yeah, like so far the best I'm getting is like hit dodge away hit dodge away and it's just bleh. have you gotten the shield yet the game keeps giving me controls for a shield but hasn't given me a shield that's another aspect of this game that might might put some people off is that you are really defenseless early on yeah oh it was way worse when it started me with the stick what yes that, this game ha does a terrible job of introducing itself a terrible job i think that it's also not helped by the fact that the lock-on when you're dealing with big groups of enemies isn't consistent at locking onto the correct thing yeah and sometimes locking on isn't a good idea and yeah. yet there's a constant prompt to do it as if you're doing something wrong if you don't yeah and from what i can tell the best way if you lock onto the wrong thing is there's no like flick the right stick to change your target it's just unlock on relock on and hope you lock onto the right one this time i think you're right yeah which is like i'm never a huge fan of i don't use lock on unless i'm using a projectile I'm going to give it more time until, like, I get a shield and see see how that goes. But right now... A shield makes an enormous difference. An enormous difference is made once you get the shield. Also, upgrading stats makes a big difference. And actually, I think basically mo anything that isn't predicated on having equipment to do it, I think you can do right from the get-go. Um, so if you have... If you have items in your menu that are off to the lower right-hand side, those are upgrade items. Oh, I need to talk about items. Mm. Yes, yes, I know, because you've got a bunch of stuff and you don't know what any of it does. N not just that, not just that. But here's the thing, right? You press the left button, right? Mm -hmm. Left button shoulder brings up uh, an item uh, inventory where you can remap everything. And you remap everything by pressing the button you want to map the item to, mm -hmm. which is fine, Unless you have memory issues like me, mm -hmm. you press the wrong button sometimes, and when you're in the middle of combat and it brings it up and you're still trying to press combat buttons and then remap yes. your swords or unmap it in the middle of something and the game doesn't pause when, you're, when yeah. you've got nope. that menu open, fuck you. That's all I'm going to say on that. Fuck you. The best way I can explain that is, you know when sometimes in like a Dark Souls or something, you uh, don't back out completely out of the menus and you're still one menu level deep and you don't realise it and therefore none of your buttons are working? It's what if that you could accidentally be remapping your controls at the same time. Yeah. like, And I'm not f I'm not overly fond of the total lack of pausing in, in any of the Soulsborne games, you know. Yeah. But I've never had an, a, a situation like this where my sword has gone missing in the middle of combat. I, I, I'm sorry. I know for most people this is going to be a non-problem because they don't have memory issues. No, it's, you, are, you are very right to complain about it. It is a problem I have stumbled upon a few times in this already and it's not 
hasn't been a game-breaking thing yet, but I can see if it happened a few more times, I'd yeah. very quickly get to where you're at. Like, we'll see where I go with it. I have accidentally remapped controls once, and yeah, it is it is frustrating. Uh, I mean, I just don't... I keep my finger very, very far away from the bumper now, and that's the only advice I yeah, can give. It's just, it shouldn't be that way. No. And, you know, I'm going to give it another go. But right now, I am finding Soulsborne games, like From Software's games, far less frustrating than this. And I've not even gotten that far in this. And I was already like, I just want to go back to Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, and as someone who, you know, named Death's Door their, like, favourite game of last year and was saw all the comparisons with this to Tunic and people saying, you've got to try it out. It's so fucking good. It's like a better Death's Door. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I think it's very, di- it's very different from Death's Door. It's, it's... Death's Door is Death's Door's funny. Death's Door has um a character that this does not. Uh which is not to say that it's better, it's just it's very different. Uh this game, I think a lot of it is predicated on wanting to discover it. And that's part of it. Mm. You know, for me, is is that I'm like this is actually something that I'm interested in. Oh, I'm finding something new. Sometimes I find things out before the manual page appears to tell me that it's there, and sometimes I open up the manual. It's like, oh, okay, that's a thing I didn't know I could do. Mm. So that that's for me a big part of it. But you have to kind of want to experiment. I haven't wanted to experiment in in a video game for a long time because I've been kind of bored with them. And it's kind of nice to, to a certain extent, not be presented with stuff. It's still all familiar, but then there's little nooks and crannies that you can discover that are kind of interesting. I've been thinking about Tunic a lot and trying to work out like how I feel about it's leaving things for you to discover. And like, I I liked the idea initially as a novel thing that was interesting. And then I very quickly realised that playing this alongside Elden Ring, it's very weird to say that Elden Ring does a better job of cluing you in mm. to the things you need to learn than this does. And they are, they are both games that are largely about just go out and learn as you go. And when Elden Ring is the one that I feel has done a better job of teaching me what I'm doing and what the world is and where I can learn more things, that is a criticism on a game like Tunic. Oh, absolutely. That's not a comparison you want made. Now, personally, Elden Ring didn't interest me enough from Go. It didn't compel me enough from Go to want to find these things out or to discover that I enjoyed learning those things about it. So... Yeah, I can totally see where I might be in a minority there, but I really do. I I don't think it's I I don't know. It's just weird to me. You didn't open up the manual. <laughs> I no, I opened it. I opened it, and because uh, look, let let me tell you what I did. I I had one page of the manual and was told the manual existed. I opened it, and what I had was some cute cartoons and no discernible text, and a page that showed me how to do things the game had already taught me in world how to do. And what I learned from that was, oh, this is a nice visual thing to look at if I want to do so, but the game is going to teach me everything as I go anyway, because it's already teaching me things in the world. The manual is here as a nice supplement. It's not how I'm expected to learn what the game's about. 
I think that fundamentally showing me that first manual page and it being cute art but no new information set me up to have the wrong expectation of how I was meant to learn what this game is. And fundamentally, I think I've had the opposite experience to you, Conrad, in that this I have had to struggle to find out why the obscurity of how it's teaching its its stuff, why that should be engaging to me. I've been enjoying the combat, and I've been enjoying the exploration when I'm not lost, but I've been going, I don't yet know why I should care about the way you're delivering the narrative and mechanics to me. Oh, I, I don't, that's the thing, the other thing. I don't give fuck one about the narrative. That that's that should also be made abundantly clear, and I don't think it does a particularly interesting or good job of conveying it. I and mean, that's the other big difference from an Elden Ring, is where I've been led to expect that the narrative actually should be interesting, and boy, does it not seem that way to me because it seems like a lot. So that's another appealing factor for me is this very limited on narrative. The mystique in this hasn't been something that has been a positive to me, it was in Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. And I am probably going to come back and be a bit more positive about this game now that I know those things. But I also think that it's not ridiculous that I didn't think to look for these core explanations of things from the game and core elements where they were placed. I just assumed it was one of those indie games that is trying to be mysterious for mysteriousness sake and that you just have to work it out. I sound very anti this game. I don't think that that's the case. I just think the game's biggest problem is it does a terrible job introducing itself to you. It is my hope that next week I can say I played it more and I love it. I I want yeah. it's so cute looking. I want to love it. I've been looking forward to trying it for a long time. But what a terrible introduction. I'm enjoying it with the main caveat of I was clearly missing something and that was frustrating me. Yeah. I, I really hope my I come back a bit more positive next week because I want to like this game. Uh, Steph, what have you been playing this week? Oh, oh, I played a bit of that Final Fantasy Origins Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I played a little bit of it as well. Yeah. A lot of people are loving it. A lot of people are like, it's so ridiculous and, and silly and, and, and it's like a mid 2000s game, except that's what makes it good. I've, I've been finding it a bit dull. I'm at the second boss, so I'm not super far in, but I find the main character just a bore. Just, I'm here to kill chaos, I am going to be gruff, and, like, it's just such a typical fucking... His name's, what is it? Like, fucking Jake? There's, that is, like, the most boring mainstream game name. It's always Jake, Jacob, or Aiden. Those are the names that you have for protagonists. Um, I find none of the characters all that interesting. Um, the gameplay is fine, TM? It's... Fine, it's one of those ones where I'm like, no amount of mapping your attacks to the shoulder buttons is going to make me think you're Dark Souls. It throws, it's one of them games that just throws so much information at you about do this and this and this, and it's the best way I could describe that is complexity without depth. Mm. There's a lot of fiddly things, none of them feel like they mean anything. I want, again, like Tunic, I really want to like it, I've been looking forward to it, but something about it ain't grabbing me. So, my take is a bit more positive. The Best way I can explain how I feel about Final Fantasy Stranger of uh, Stranger of Paradise is that I would have really enjoyed this had it not come out while I'm still trying to play Elden Ring. There is that. It really struggles by that comparison. 
I can recognize that if this had come out, let's say, like, November last year, and I didn't have anything else to be playing, I would have gotten really into this. And I am mechanically enjoying it. It's just suffering from, I don't want to be playing two of this kind of game at the same time, and this one is definitely not going to unseat Elden Ring while I'm still trying to finish my first playthrough. So what I've done is I'm I'm I've, I'm going to put this game aside and I'm going to come back to it after Elden Ring because I am really enjoying the mechanics. I find it re- I find it very satisfying to play. Um, I find the combat really enjoyable. I just know that I'm not going to give it the space it needs if I'm trying to play it alongside something I'm going to be comparing comparing it unfavorably to the whole time. Yeah. I mean, there is that, like Elden Ring coming coming out and being just such a huge time sink for me and being something I'm just obsessed with lately does make everything else difficult. That is true. I'm playing other games at the same time that are in different genres to Elden Ring, but this is so directly trying to be a Souls game that I know that I, I'm not going to give this its fair shake despite how much I'm enjoying it if I try and play it through now. Yeah, like, I spent a lot of time playing it, just be like, you know, I could be using this time to play Elden Ring. Yeah. I could just be hanging out with Albinorix all day. And, like, I'm enjoying the game enough that I don't feel like that's a fair comparison for me to be making, which is why I'm like, I don't, I don't want to just be playing it and going, yeah, but it could be Elden Ring, though, the whole time I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. God, it's a rough timing for it. I'm, I, I, need, I need more time with it. That's, you know, yeah. I don't feel like I've had enough time with it. But then it's just... It feels like such a bombardment of you can do this and that and this and that. And I'm like, I, my brain's switched off. I'm just hitting things and hoping for the best. Yeah. I don't know if it maybe helps that I came into playing the full game, having played quite a lot of the the demo they released last year, I think it was. And like really putting time into like, I had nothing else to be playing at the time. It, It came out last summer. And I put time into, like, beating the first boss and, like, really getting to grips with the mechanics. And I felt like I hit the ground running. A li- it was a little less overwhelming because I'd learnt it already, which I think helped. Because, yeah, it throws a lot of things very quickly at you in an unavoidable linear path. If you're going to experience all of them, do it. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I really want to like it. But so far, I've just been a bit bored. Yeah. Yeah, I like the different classes. Mm. Um, I like that they're there, uh, and I like the the basically the one that can throw javelins. Mm. I had a lot more of a fun time once I found that one. Yeah. Um, the others I found a bit bleh, but I do like the the I forget is it called the lancer? Yes, I think but so. Whoever has you know spears and halberds and things, that's fun. So yeah, that's about all I can say on it at the moment. That's fair. Main thing I've been playing this week, so I've been playing a bunch of um, a free update that came to Inscription called Casey's Mod. Staying very uh, spoiler light, where Inscription itself is a linear game with a start and finish that sort of wears the set dressing of a roguelike, Casey's Mod basically adds in a mode that is much closer to a traditional roguelike with deck building elements. Um, If you've played any of Inscription, it is basically, what if we stuck you back in that first environment that that cabin sat at the table, gave you a bunch of new cards, a bunch of new mechanics to encounter as you go along the board doing your your slightly horror-y card game deck building stuff, 
here's some optional damage modifier, like um, difficulty modifiers you can add to increase the challenge of your run to unlock new stuff. And we're going to remix a bunch of the content so that it is not the same predictable route going through. It also, from what I can tell, nerfs some of the mechanics that in the main game are very overpowered strategies that seem deliberately there to help ensure that you can complete a run and move through the narrative. In particular, maybe it is there and I just haven't seen it, but um, one of the big key strats in the main game of Inscription that I always go for near the start is making it so that all of my squirrels, which are the completely free-to-play basic nothing cards, have a good strong effect on them, such as uh, when you they're destroyed by battle, you get a copy of them in your hand, so you have an endlessly refilling supply of stuff to sacrifice. Things like that. I've yet to see in this mod, and I feel like that's because, you know, that was a that was a bit of an easy like a an auto-win condition you could build. I feel already like this is presented as just another like a traditional roguelike mode for this game. I'm already getting the sense that isn't going to be the case, and I'm kind of I I kind of wish it was. I kind of wish this was just the roguelike mode because I really like this game's mechanics, and I just want to keep playing those mechanics over and over with some variation. But yeah, it it is a bunch more inscription that is much more geared to just keep playing the card game mechanic and think less around about the stuff around it and for me that's been really fun so it was, it was a free update i've been having a really good time with it cool 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 yeah it's another game i wish i'd liked more than i had yeah it it seemed like it would have been your jam but yeah yeah sometimes games are just like that they just don't they be like that yeah what about you, Comrade? You played anything uh, Anything else? Well, while I was gone, the only thing I had on my laptop was Skull the Hero Slayer, so I, I played a bit of that. And, um, Steph, how far did you make it in that? Ooh. The, I think, like, the second main boss, the, the one that's all the, uh, like, Valkyrie-type yeah. women that just attack you in concert. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, they keep adding another, like, there's three of these fucking heroes in the next mid-boss fight F- fuck this game <laughs> yeah it gets a bit much i think we both complained about the the difficulty last time yeah i mean yeah and i am sacrificing mad good you know quote unquote good skulls i'm getting you know like 44s and i'm still just i can't break 100 to get the top you know, evolution of any of my cool skulls, which just says to me, oh my god, this thing goes on for so long. It goes on for so long. How many levels are there? <laughs> Am I going to have to fight four of these fucking bastards? If you don't get a quintessence that, you know, does massive damage to an entire room, I mean, why bother? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a really fun game. That's just, it feels more difficult than it needs to be. So yeah, played a bit of that. How about you? Well, when we were gone, uh, well, well, we took a week to talk about Elden Ring while Conrad was gone. Oh, I was there. So last week, what? Yeah, I was there. Were you just quietly in the background? Just yeah, I was just uh, yeah sitting there quietly in the background <laughs> oh, the whole <okay>. episode. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice the silent additional audio track that got edited in. That makes so much sense now. That does make sense. 
but yeah, uh, last week I played some of that Chocobo GP. Oh. Mm. Square Enix mm. is on some bullshit. Square Enix is on some fucking bullshit. No less than a week after Babylon's Fall came out, which they're hilariously trying to tell us isn't dead. Uh. <laughs> that thing was a corpse when it slopped out onto fucking digital shelves. Yeah, they come out with this. Just another scam. Just another con. A fucking child-oriented game. So this is another game that's basically, you know, made by child predators. um, Because that's what it is. It is preying on children um, using fun, colourful, child-friendly versions of Final Fantasy characters to make money off them. The moment you start the game, it opens with a pop-up advertising its battle pass. Classy. The moment. That's the first thing it does to you after you've spent 50 quid on the fucking thing we can talk about the fact there's a free version but it's just a demo they just called it something else it's a demo um you buy it 50 fucking quid uh well 50 bucks um throws a pop-up at you advertising uh there is a fake there's, there's the multiple currencies with a premium currency there are daily login bonuses all that shit unlike babylon's fall where the game was so shit I delighted in dumping on it because it was just such a fucking insult and it was clearly going to fail. This game is good and it's worse than if it was bad. Chocobo GP is a really, like at its heart, fundamentally, is a fun kart racer. It's, you know, just a complete copy of Mario Kart, but it's fun. And race to race, I enjoy it. But... I won't be able to play it for too long because eventually it'll, you know, the psychological tricks that it employs will just the attacks will get too much. When I'm in a race, I'm enjoying it. When I'm out of a race, I am infuriated by the gall of it. So, yeah, that's Chocobo GP. It's it is Square Enix is. Well, I did that Jimquisition on it about Square Enix being poisoned. It's got a severe case of capitalism poisoning. It is on some bullshit and it's not going to get better. Oh, I had a look at Babylon's Fall while we were recording out of curiosity to go, how many concurrent players on Steam? 33. Yikes. (laughs) Definitely not a dead game. 33 people in the world playing at this moment. Yeah, when it launched on launch day, it was having fewer viewers on Twitch than the, um, oh, what was it? The... What was that game that Steam brought out that was just a, a con? Oh, oh, Aperture Portal uh, Desk Job. It wasn't that. It was the um, it's like some weird card game thing they were trying to do. And oh. these days on Twitch, yeah. that category is not for the game. It's where people stream pirated TV shows and stuff. <laughs> and that was doing better than Babylon's Fall. Oh. I love how much that, like you know. Some, as I said in the gym impressions on it, some may consider it poor form to delight in a game's failure. Um, you know, all oh, the people who worked on it worked yeah. really hard. No, no, I delight. This That game is scum. It's a scam. It is designed to milk your wallet like any of these fucking live services, and it's one of the most nakedly, transparently cynical of them all. It deserves to fail. And for the good of the medium, it should fail. I am delighted by how much it's faltered. I am delighted by every little twitch of its corpse. And it is a corpse. Square Enix, your commitment to your own bullshit is in some ways admirable. But that game's dead, and it should be, and I'm glad. Anyone else play anything? A, a couple of quick things. Yeah. Um, I mostly have been playing around more with uh, with my, my various handheld devices I keep chatting about mm-hmm. on here. Two very quick things. 
the Retroid Pocket 2 Plus, which is that like very small sub $100 um, emulator machine. I ordered one after you uh, linked me to it, yeah. Yeah, that I was very positively talking about with some caveats a few weeks ago, mainly things like it was lacking some software side features for things like um, are you having issues with the stick and you need to recalibrate it? Does it have the tools for that? Having to be a bit fiddly and sort of dig into settings to get systems like GameCube running properly was a very, it was like a bit of a fiddly process. They've released a big update for it, and to their credit, it has basically addressed everything I had been complaining about. Other than the build quality issue of mine arriving with a kind of poorly seated ribbon cable for the, the analog stick, it now has a lot more settings for like, properly customizing your controls and like tweaking levels of sensitivity and things like that. It now has pre-built configurations for some of the more difficult consoles to make them run as well as possible for as many games as possible. It is just an overall much smoother experience to get a wider range of those upper-end games playing nicely, which, credit to them, it is a very noticeable quality of life update, and I'm I'm happy to see that. It has made games that I was struggling to find configurations to get working well, uh, such as Mario Kart Double Dash, running well without me having to do additional um, tweaking, which is really good. The other thing I've been doing is I've been playing a bunch of um, Game Pass games on the Steam Deck because Microsoft has released a tailored version of the Edge browser that you can run in on the Steam Deck in gaming mode that is designed for streaming uh, Game Pass titles off of xCloud. If you've got the Game Pass tier that um, I think it's called Ultimate, where you get PC and console access. And I've been really impressed with the quality of it. Now, obviously, it's not the same as playing stuff on the go or playing stuff locally on a device. It's not a full replacement for that. But for my use case of I just prefer to play things in a handheld form factor, and I often do that at home, where I have good Wi-Fi connection. I am damn impressed at the quality of, like, the lack of visual artifacting, the lack of noticeable input lag and delay has been really on point. Um, the thing I keep comparing it to is, I sometimes will stream, like, if I want to play my PS5 downstairs in the living room, in the same house. I'll use remote play, I'll log in on like the, the laptop or something, and I'm just streaming within the house. I am getting a better experience off of xCloud, which is streaming from a machine somewhere in a Microsoft office, than I am streaming from my own console in my own house, in terms of visual quality and lack of input lag. And I don't know how they've done whatever wizardry that is, it's pretty nice. It has meant that I have very easy, user-friendly access now to my Game Pass library in in the home on, on a handheld. I was surprised at how well it held up to things like... um I did some runs of Hades on it, because I was like, that's a game where I'm going to have to be good at my timings and my dodges. Was playing that just fine, having no trouble. Playing some Forza Horizon 5, because I was like, a game where I'm moving very fast, no big artifacting. I'm very impressed with the execution. It's real good. Cool. Uh, anyone played anything else this week, or are we, we on to the newsy bits? I have one other thing before we go to the, the corner. As you may recall, the last couple of weeks, I, I may have mentioned that uh, the 3DS is very easy to hack. I've heard. And, um, and, and put, 
put games on it and that I had been playing Rune Factory 4. And so I want to tell I want to tell a positive story of piracy because I've now bought Rune Factory 5. Hooray! I didn't even know it was fucking coming out. Piracy has led to a legitimate sale. See, this is how it works. <laughs> so Rune Factory 5 is out on Switch and um it's it's a mixed bag. They have transitioned the game to three fully 3D. Uh, prior iterations had presented the a top-down perspective and um you know you could move freely within that top-down perspective, but this has now made it completely 3D with a rear position camera behind the player. Exploration is no longer a series of discrete but you know connected rooms, but now it's all just open, which is uh Fine. I don't really have a, a, a strong feeling about that here or there, although it does make it harder to grind monsters Mm-mm. because you can't just like go to the next room and come back. You know, once they're gone, they're gone until the next day in a lot of cases. The other thing that bugs me, and I know it's going to bug other people, is, and this is not a new problem to Rune Factory as a series, but you get a lot of furniture. And items to customize your house and they serve practical purpose and you wind up with a a lot of them and, you know, much like an Animal Crossing would do, making your home, your space, however you want is a part of the game. And as I mentioned before, the game offers a, you know, a bit of free movement in its space. When you're dealing with crops, it has a grid system, but outside of that, it's not. And it doesn't do a great job of showing you where the lines are, you know, until you're overlapping an item and it's red and now, well, great, I've got a backup. And it's very fiddly, it can be very frustrating, and it's not made better by being in full 3D. Mm. So that kind of sucks. Um, other than that, it's a lot more Rune Factory. If you If you like the things Rune Factory does... It's got them. The characters are weird and delightful, and there are just intermittent three-second bursts of anime footage for reasons, and uh, it's it's goofy, and they've changed the way you uh, capture monsters now. You get a piece of equipment fairly early on that you just use instead of having to like figure out what to feed them and pet them to make them nicer. You just have to sort of wear them down emotionally with this thing and eventually they'll come with you. I had a big ass chicken following me around for a a while. It was real cool. So yeah, it's fun. I'm about a week into the game, so I don't have like a ton to report, but it feels very much mechanically like Rune Factory 4, um, just in this now full 3D situation. Sorry, I'm also fighting a cat that decided to be... (laughs) Difficult. Yeah. I've never played a Rune Factory. It's it's Harvest Moon with um, some dungeon crawling and the ability to tame and put monsters to work on your farm. You know, other tasks and things like that. Just one of them ones that you can just pick up if you've not played any of the others. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a high fantasy Harvest Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you're going to pick one up, one feather in the cap of Rune Factory 5, it finally lets gaze be a thing. You can have gaze in this one. Oh, that's always good. Hell yeah, gaze. Hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. It's good. I like it. 
Well, you know what time? You know what? You know what time it must oh. be then? Oh, it's no. that. It oh. must be time. <gasps> I think we're all going to go on a little trip to Stephanie's Vita Corner. Oh, that was a very resonant drum. That one. Quite happy with that. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stephanie's Vita Corner. Why not sit on a mushroom and, and like it's in the forest this week? Sit on a little <laughs> mushroom for a for a, a seat. And put your your feet up against a little fire that was made by a squirrel um, while an elk looks at you. Oh, hey, elk. What Vita games are you aware of? Right. The elk opens its mouth and out falls two little carts. Um, One is New Little King Story. Ooh. Yeah, originally on the Wii. It came out on PS Vita. I played it when it came to the Vita. Uh, originally yeah yeah so this is like one of those sort of pikmin-y type of things um where you build a little town you're a king you build a little town and fill it with people and then you can gather people to follow you in a little like royal guard and then send them into different huts to give them different jobs so you get farmers and builders and soldiers and send them off to do stuff like you go out into the world where there are monsters that you can fight so you can sort of send your soldiers because they're better at that little holes in the ground you can send your farmers to go digging in there to like get stuff and it's just a loop of sort of every day you wake up you go out, you gather resources, stuff from monsters, stuff from the ground, and you can use that to add to the town and build it. Um, there's a storyline, of course, um, with different objectives, like certain like boss monsters to go out and fight. And that's about it. It's just this little loop. Um, it's still really quite fun. It's very charming. It's got some like... Its soundtrack is mostly like classical music tunes, um, which is really good. It's got a very cute aesthetic, sort of the big heads, big eyes kind of thing. It's good. I find going back to it, the controls are a little bit, a little bit sort of stodgy, a little bit um, unwieldy at times. Um, Plus, it doesn't have a very good map, sort of a very useful map, but it is still very charming. Uh, And this is one of those ones that's a little tricky because it's not on digital storefronts. Mm. So physical copies are a little bit pricey. And that's the main thing. Um, I think I, I got it from CEX for like, it was like 40, 50 quid. Okay. On eBay, you're looking at like a hundo. So this was a rare case of CEX actually doing better than eBay. So yeah, uh, uh, if you're going to get it, like secondhand shops are your place to look. But even then, like, you know, we're still... We're, Vita games are not things you tend to find for like a tenner in a bargain bin. But that's true of like... in This has happened since the internet and collection has been more of a thing. Oh, you mean the speculator market has driven up the prices that are now preventing normal people from accessing the the medium? You remember time was when, like, old consoles would be cheap because no one wanted them anymore? And now, like, almost every old console out there is now super fucking expensive, especially if nobody wants it. It's a shame. But yeah, there are some other video games that are just fucking pricey. And then some of the digital ones where they've, I think I said last time, like on one of the corners that uh, Call of Duty was like 30 bucks on the Vita storefront. I was wrong. It's 50. Damn. The sheer cheek. Funnily enough though, that one is one you can find for 15 quid physical. (laughs) Because no one fucking wants it. It's just sheer, dripping, oozing arrogance on the part of, of fucking um, um, Activision. Um, so yeah, and the other one, which I started playing today, is Soul Sacrifice Delta. Now, Soul Sacrifice is a 
fucking that game I played the shit out of back in the day. Um, it's got a little bit of a Monster Hunter vibe to it. Um, very short levels in little small maps where it's mostly spawn into this area, kill a whole bunch of little enemies, or one big boss enemy that takes quite a bit of doing. Mm -hmm. You are a sorcerer, and you can map six different spells. Like, you have three, then you press a button, and there's another three, and you can swap between them. Uh, And that ranges from your melee attacks to ranged attacks to healing to boosting stats to shields. Uh, You can mix and match any ones you want. Some of them work together. Like, if you do one that sends out, like, little uh, shards of ice and then switch to, like, an axe, then your axe sort of sucks it in and you can get ice. So it's very versatile. There's a lot of nice depth to it. Lots of things to equip, lots of things to play with. All the spells are kind of interesting, you know, like anything from make your arm grow giant and punch stuff with it to shoot your own blood at enemies and like lose health as you do it to burrow underground like a mole. Um, the sheer vers- like variety and versatility of the attacks and, and spells and that is pretty impressive. It's fully voiced with a really sort of interesting story. Uh, the whole concept is you are in prison um, waiting to be uh, sacrificed and killed by an evil sorcerer and you have a book that's alive and rude <laughs> and is magic and is taunting you and tells you that if you get to the end of it then you'll learn how to defeat the sorcerer and not be sacrificed to him i trust the talking book i trust the talking book um and it's uh yeah the the levels tell stories of an unnamed sorcerer that is meeting other sorcerers and that'll be your co-op partner for a series of levels before you kill them um, because it's just all about sacrificing other sorcerers to get your own powers and it's cool in between levels there are these really nice sort of like barely animated story segments that are like classily done yeah you can change the way your character looks at any time which i always like mm-hmm. um just that versatility um and i'm playing delta which doesn't have a physical version uh but it was a redo of the original soul sacrifice i can't be too sure what is changed i i've been told it's vastly improved but i it's been such a long time since i played the first i can't be too sure um but when it comes to games on the Vita that will absorb a lot of time, I remember Soul Sacrifice taking up tons of my time. Um, levels very short, easy to get into, but a ton of stuff to unlock and play with and, and enhance and change. So yeah, getting back into it. I've only played a bit before we started recording, in fact, but getting back into it has been very, it's been fun. It's been fun. Soul Sacrifice. If you're going to get them, I would say Delta. You could probably get Soul Sacrifice. I think it was physical. You can get it for cheaper. But Delta is a little pricey. I think it might be around the 30 mark, I think. But it is still fucking good. And that was Stephanie's Vita Corner. Oh, so let's, let's, let's get some news done. Yeah, why not? Okay. We, got, we got some of that to, to do, as, as always. So the continued story of having to talk about abuse within game developers is just going to keep snowballing. This week we get to we get to have that conversation about some indie games and some smaller titles because of course we do. This is not a problem ex- exclusive to the AAA industry. Um first up let's talk about a report done by People Make Games investigating three studios that work under the publisher Annapurna Interactive. The gist of the story here is that there are three separate indie studios uh, detailed. They are Mountains, Fulbright, and Funomina, which are all indie studios that have a 
charismatic front person that is generally the person people talk about when they talk about that indie studios games, despite there being more than one person. Um, for example, Mountains is led by Ken Wong. Uh, they were the studio behind Florence. Um, obviously, Fulbright, you've got um, Steve Gaynor. And all of these three stories are interviews with past and present uh, developers at these three studios who have reported emotional abuse suffered under their leadership, particularly under the leadership of these auteur figures within their studios. It is that it is well worth going into in in some depth. Um, the the big connecting thread for each of the stories seems to be a lack of these indie studios setting up proper safeguarding and proper procedures for what to do if something goes wrong and something needs to be addressed because of their oh it's just a few of us we all know each other oh we'll we'll, we'll start something together kind of mentality. Part of the complaints are also levied at Annapurna as a publisher, specifically their inability or unwillingness to do things when complaints about these auteur figures are brought up. There are quotes such as one senior member at Annapurna saying that without strong personalities, games don't get made in response to complaints about desire to remove Wong from Mountains as a studio. Apparently, uh, Annapurna recommended, in the case of uh, Mountains, to move to a different city and hire graduates who would expect less, like encouraging these indie studios to engage in deliberate manipulative practices like that. Wong argues that that wasn't the case and that that didn't happen. Annapurna didn't respond to that allegation, but it's an allegation that's there. We already knew that there were problems with Fulbright in that uh, co-founder Steve Gaynor stepped down due to his toxic behaviour towards uh, female staff last year. It's a whole thing. You you watched the um the whole the whole video, didn't you, Conrad? I did. Yeah. I mean, this isn't this isn't new. I think um uh we shouldn't be you know, shocked or amazed to discover that Annapurna Interactive is a business yeah. um, that operates as effectively a marketing arm and middleman for these smaller companies so that they can get their games in a class that uh, will ensure them a certain measure of success. But they do not give a shit. I, I think that that's... that's Shouldn't surprise anybody, but uh, here's here's your confirmation if you needed it. Yeah. Also, auteurs are shit. Yeah. There is nothing accomplished by any man alone. Yes. Also, um, uh, the, the the last one that I hadn't really detailed at the top was um, uh, Funamina, which is the studio behind uh, Watam, run by Robin Hanik. Apparently, she was emotionally abusive um, and often used sensitive personal information in a way that was humiliating or unprofessional, um, including some of that personal information and private information being shared with people outside of the company. Annapurna was apparently aware of this, but Annapurna did nothing to step in and do anything. It seems like they just were very not my... Uh, I think the, the phrase is not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. And... and... 
and the structure of this industry is such that that's technically the case. I mean, as long as people are fine with the with the the businesses that Annapurna publishes games from operate in this fashion. Yeah. So that's a that's a real that's a real shame. It is because they've got a great eye for talent there. Like all all of these studios have talented people working at them. You know, not and and that's not even to exclude the people at the heads of these organizations that are talent doesn't know from morality or ethics. Yeah. But you you can't treat people this way. Yeah. The next one of those that we have got that we need to we need to address is um Ori in the Blind Forest. Um the the team behind uh, Ori in the Blind Forest uh Moon Studios have been accused of toxic behavior and mismanagement. The the culture that is described in a report by VentureBeat is that upper management created a work environment where anyone could speak their mind without fear of reprisal. And what that means in practice is we're not going to do anything about homophobia, sexism, ableism, throwing around of slurs within the studios. Oh, they were hiding behind the idea that you you could feel safe to basically play the free speech card and let other people make others feel unsafe because, well, they've got a right to speak. It's the cowardly hiding behind free speech bullshit. You've got shit like internal reports of like, ah, here's your internal employee review dropping the arsler, for example, to describe an employee, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So some of the, the, the upper management, specifically two of the founders of the company, Thomas Mailer and Jenedy Coral, did respond to VentureBeat's report and... um had a meeting with staff before responding. So here, here is their response to all of this. We don't believe that the experiences suggested by your questions are representative of the more than 80 Moon Studios team members who are thriving and doing great work every day, nor do we believe they're representative of the experiences of former members of our team. In fact, we are very proud of our history of making people happy, advancing their careers, and contributing to their financial success. Bullshit that doesn't actually address whether any of the claimed things happens. They're just like, we don't think most people who work for us would say that that happened. Probably because most of them probably weren't the targets. It's probably a few people who got targeted by the bad structure. Saying the people who weren't bullied will back us up. Yeah. Doesn't actually sound as good as they think it sounds. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's real shitty. Mm-hmm. That's just another one on the pile of, of bad shitty things happening. And we got an update to one that we talked about before, which is the PlayStation gender discrimination lawsuit that was going on. Eight more women shared their experiences, and Sony has now responded. This is quoted from um, some legal documents that Axios found. Sony Interactive Entertainment takes the substance of the newly submitted declaration seriously. Although, most are by former employees who no longer work at SIE. SIE either has addressed or will address the issues raised in them, in due course, as SIE values its female employees, and takes proactive st- steps to ensure that they have every opportunity to thrive and be heard. So it's, it's just a fucking nothing response, because... Lovely. Of course it is. It's always fucking nothing responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that's going to continue dragging on. Sony ain't putting their hands up and going, hey, we'll do better. They're pushing back, which is a shame. Last thing we got, we got something kind of nice to end end on. It's always nice to have something nice. Not, not a huge amount to say about it, but I always feel it's worth bringing it up whenever this happens. Bandai Namco, or at least a subdivision of Bandai Namco, we'll get to that in a second, is trialling a four-day working week. Okay. Hooray. There you cool. go. Is it Bando Namkai or Namkai Band... So, they've changed the order around a few times. It's currently Bandai Namco. Is it? Bandai Namco now? What? Yeah. When did they do this? When did they do this? When did they start calling Jif Sif? <laughs> What's going on? It's still Marathon Bars and Opal Fruits. <laughs> so, what I will note is a lot of the headlines about this have said Bandai Namco is trialling a four-day working week and made it sound like company-wide they're doing this. Yeah. Currently, we are talking specifically about Bandai Namco's mobile division. Oh, okay. It's trialling a four-day work week. The intention is that if this works, it does seem like this will become the standard within Bandai Namco. But obviously, it is a trial, so, you know, keep an eye on this and make sure that it actually sticks, and then that it gets expanded to the rest of that company. But, yeah, hooray! Another company recognising the the value of this absolutely if it turns out like we've seen time and time again that overworking your your employees doesn't work it's actually detrimental to productivity yeah i talked about this on this week's gymquisition about from software with the the reports from like 10 years back about what it was like to work there and how everyone was like oh well, that's normal that's just what business is that's what game development is it's overwork and poor compensation i'm like let, let's let's stop justifying things by saying it's normal that's not an excuse when we're seeing four day work weeks yeah. become embraced and turn out well for people yeah and i want to read some of what Bandai Namco said about this when they were announcing it, because I think it really gets to the core of why, in particular, the video game industry could really do with this. Trialing the move to the four-day work week is the next logical step for us continuing to try to reduce stress, increase creativity, and enable our teams to do their best work. This model has shown significant mental health improvements and a reduction of mental health days off by employees. As an industry that has close links with burnout, well-being should be a top priority for, for us. As part of a six-month trial, fr Fridays will be designated non-working day. Okay, now I'm seeing here for all Bandai Namco employees as part of a six-month trial. I'm going to have to double-check this and see whether it is the whole company or whether it is just mobile. The piece I'm reading says mobile at the top. But all salaries and benefits will remain the same, uh, and they, they continue to say, Coupled with an extra day of rest, we're confident that we will have the same or more output in fewer working hours. So what they're saying is you better get your fucking work done now. I mean, the less cynical, I think, look at it is there are studies that show that 100% that is what happens. Yes, that is you, what will happen. You, you give people one extra day off a week and they get the same amount of work done. They just do it a lot less stressed and tired. And it's like, yeah, cool. Three day week, three day weekends. That is a fucking start. Yeah, I cannot... I cannot work out for certain whether this is Bandai Namco entirely or just their mobile division. It's very unclear. I think it is just the mobile division currently from what I can tell. But yeah, hooray, more people moving towards four-day work weeks, particularly in the fucking games industry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's everything for this week. Is that it? Yeah. Is that everything? That's everything, I think. Well, it's not 
everything <gasps> that you have done over the course of your career and still continue to do so, Laura. And I think some people might be very interested to find out about that kind of business. Oh, heck. Fuck yeah. Uh, Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Laura K. Buzz everywhere. You find me, I do stuff. Got a couple of books on, on the go at the moment. Um... There is Who Hunts the Whale, that's coming out some point in the future, not that far off. Um, there is uh, Me and My Dysphoria Monster, which is coming out on uh, August 18th, 2022. That's, that's, that's the gist of it, just go look at Laura K. Buzz, you'll, you'll find all the things. What about you, Conrad? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. You can hang out with me on Twitch three, four days a week, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I'm going to be playing more of that Rune Factory 5 on Friday if anyone wants to check that out. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, hello. It's me, James Stephanie Sterling. Not only do you have a Patreon, you've got so much going on this week. Ooh. I've got a fair bit going on this week, yes. Um, you can support my creative endeavours at patreon.com slash jimquisition. Um, I stream quite a lot on Twitch now um, at twitch.tv slash jimsterling. And this Saturday, uh, we are sold out, but there will be, um, you know, I'll probably play it on Twitch uh, at some point uh, afterwards. But yeah, it's the next North Wrestling event in Newcastle. It is going to be my first uh, UK match. I've got a banner. Laura's got a banner. It's way bigger than it was meant to be. Yeah, Laura's coming. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to get that that up to the north. <laughs> yeah, this will be my first match as a fundamentally trained pro wrestler as well. Not a manager who does some wrestling, not a match with a gimmick attached. This is a match and I have been working really hard and I'm going to bust out some stuff that I've never done before. So. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I am terrified, but we'll see how it goes. Next time we see this, it will be after my very first bona fide pro wrestling match. Uh, and we'll see you there. And I hope you have a good time until then. Bye. Bye. Bye.